another episode of the Sly Hooper Podcast. For today's episode, we have Evan Damarell of Forbes Sports. He's a Cavs reporter for Forbes Sports. One of my longtime buddies started out in our days at hashtag basketball.com and kind of just stayed in touch ever since and became really good friends and he has been a frequent guest on my past podcast rest in peace to the second unit podcast and rest in peace to the open gym podcast he was on a guest of both of those and we share a lot of things in common especially our love for all things nerd cartoon anime video game that type of sort so he came on to the pod as the first guest of the sly hooper podcast and You know, we talked about a range of things as friends would do during a pandemic when nothing else is going on. We talked about where we were leading up to the NBA suspension or more specifically what Evan was doing on the day the NBA got suspended. And then we talked about topics from this season or storylines that we were following that we were disappointed we didn't get to see through because of the suspension. We talk about the Last Dance documentary and how he views it through the lens of being a Cavs fan. And then, of course, my favorite personal part of the podcast and one that I was waiting for, we gave our top five favorite anime and not the best. We went with top five favorite and you could go with favorite list. You could go with a bunch of different routes and I wanted to go one way and then I went the other. Like, do I go with more of the stuff that shaped me into the person that I am now? Or do I go with the more modern stuff? Because I think there is this thing that we do whenever something becomes modernized or a certain genre or topic becomes modernized or it evolves. There is this sort of hipsterish backlash or gateway thing that we do. Where we're like, how can this new show already be one of your favorites? You must not watch real you must not watch real shows, or you must not know real sports, or you must not know real you must not know real uh, comic books, or you must not know real stories if you think that one's good. And I hate that stuff. It's just stuff evolves, stuff gets better, and sometimes when you get somebody who is adept at being creative and making something. If you get better modern technology and modern methods to create your work, sometimes stuff will turn out better. And so I meant with a, with my list, I went with a little mix of both. And you can't go wrong either way. This is a favorites list. It's a whole personal thing. It just depends on the method you you used. And it was a very fun, it was a very fun conversation. So anyway, here's Evan Damarell, Cavs reporter for sports. All right. So first question I wanted to ask you is what, before we get started today, uh, what have you spent more time doing as we are hunkered down mm. in our homes? Play Animal Crossing or rewatch Simpsons episodes? You know, that's actually a tough. Well, the answer is Animal Crossing, but... You and I were talking about this before we came on. Like, I'm fortunate enough to be able to keep my work going and, you know, just maintain benefits and all that stuff. So, like, that keeps me busy on the day-to-day. But usually it's just Animal Crossing. And then I bought the Final Fantasy VII remake, I think, last week. 
and um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's it's um, it, it sticks to the bones of the original story with some twists. There's some things I disagree about it. I'm sure if you've played it, you know. Um, just making Sephiroth such a central character early in the game didn't make much sense, but. As... I did not have a PlayStation growing up, yeah. so I missed out on the, all the Final Fantasy. Well, I didn't start playing Final Fantasy games until I think it was what's the what was the first online one? What was uh... it Final Fantasy Seven? No, not Seven. You just said seven. seven. I think it was Final Fantasy Eleven. I think it is or something. Eleven, and then fourteen is the latest online one. And I have yeah play fourteen, but it's just I don't know. I'm I'm spoiled and I played WoW as my MMO of choice first and I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is the gold standard for me. So Yeah, this was this was that was my yeah, Final Fantasy eleven was my first MMO choice, but then everybody moved to WoW. So then I moved to WoW and that was that was my main MMO of choice mm-hmm. when I was uh well later on through high school and college and yeah. then but I was like, okay, I can't I can't play this anymore <laughs> because it's one of those you start you start it's morning and then you look out your window and it's nighttime yeah. type of thing <laughs> you can sink, it's, it's a time sink game for sure but it's just the little rewards you get in wow just make it so much worth it but um yeah no i i was super excited speaking of wow when they released the vanilla servers after blizzard kind of pulled that bs and put the kibosh on the fans making the vanilla servers like i was excited about that and then the whole god it that feels so long ago when um blizzard was in hot water for the china tweet controversy and um that's what i uninstalled wow and i canceled my subscription and i just haven't really looked back and i just don't really have any desire to play again but maybe the new expansions was to come out this fall will sink my hooks sink the hooks back in me and drag me back in because i think that's how it's been the last two or three expansions where i'm like ah i don't really care anymore activision's kind of ruined this game and then i'm like oh that looks kind of fun and then i pay sixty dollars play it for like a month straight and then i'm like i think i'm good so <laughs> yeah um i stopped uh i stopped after cataclysm came out ah. so i got my character to level 85 i think that was the new level cap when that expansion came out yes. and then i kind of just i kind of just flamed out after that yeah um what was your wait real quickly what was your what was your uh class what, what did you play in a wow um before this first expansion i played a dwarf paladin and then i switched over to blood elf paladin because they looked like anime characters and i was 13 at the time so i thought that was the coolest thing and then i never looked back and then i've always just been a horde main ever since like i had when i last played i had um the only correct answer yeah <laughs> blood, I still have that same Blood Elf Paladin that I was using, but it's funny you mentioned the level cap. They lowered it back down to 60, and um, people are starting to wonder. Oh, did they? Yeah, people, there's leaks that are coming out that may or may not be real or not. I haven't looked too far into it, but with the new expansion, it may be a console game going forward, which would be super broken if you could map abilities to button presses instead of um, keystrokes instead. But, I mean, I don't know. You can install so many mods on WoW these days that it's not really a game anymore it's like the press of three or four buttons i don't know right um i was a i was a shaman i was an enhancement shaman there you go um a tauren enhancement shaman there you go because i always i always played a lot of warriors growing up because i i don't i just i would rather i was the person in the party who would either be the tank or would just beat stuff up whenever we play other (laughs) other games um and so my friends were like oh why did you try something different and i tried shaman it it was fun yeah. i wish i still had to just 
went with my my usual instinct of warrior yeah but enhancement shaman was it was interesting but um enough enough about the wow stuff i just i wanted to go back to (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to go back to what you were saying about um you know being fortunate and um yeah during this during this time and stuff and yeah we were yeah we were just talking before we got on like i do considering the circumstances and obviously don't want these circumstances to happen in any way ever but i mean considering the circumstances yeah i do feel pretty lucky um that i still you know have my job my family is still relatively is my family's relatively safe um i talk to them all the time especially now that we're kind of it's weird i mentioned it in the first episode of my podcast but i live 20 minutes down the freeway uh here in sacramento i live 20 minutes down the freeway from my parents house and then my grandparents live 10 minutes up the street from my apartment and it's weird that it's weird that i can't in good conscience i can't go visit them because i don't want to take any chances and it's weird because they live such in close proximity i mean just every just everything these last few months have just been weird i don't know how it is over there in ohio but in california everything is everything except for essential businesses pretty much is shut down Mm -hmm. streets are more relatively empty than usual when you're driving about to go get groceries or whatever that's about the only thing you can do right now it's just all weird over there how is it over there in ohio what are what were any shelter in place orders or anything like that i haven't really kept up too much Um, over there it's more or less state has mike dewine's been surprisingly like i don't agree with a lot of his politics but he's been surprisingly been proactive throughout this entire process that's good um shut down schools relatively quickly i think the big thing was though since ohio state's such a major institution just like across the country when they closed their doors and told students like listen you have to find somebody to stay with or go home like in classes are online going forward and then like every major institution like my school akron um they shut down soon after and then my brother is a student at the university of toledo they shut down almost immediately after like once that started happening i think the reality of the situation really started to kick in and then no dewine's been super proactive throughout this entire process which is super good um yeah uh, all restaurants and essentially if you're not a non-essential worker um essential workers at this point are just people who work at grocery stores and like cashiers and obviously people who work in hospitals and everything but um like that's going well but yeah no it's like super surreal like gas is dirt cheap it costs me about it's like a dollar oh seven yeah I, I went I went to fill up yesterday and it was one eighty nine a gallon. Oh, or whatever. That's, I put it up on my that's I put it up on my Instagram. <laughs> so like, it was a dollar and seven cents when I last topped off my tank. Wow! Oh my god! Yeah, maybe <laughs> California, but yeah, because I, I like I I put it on my Instagram story. I was just like, "What in the nineteen ninety eight is this?" Because I hadn't seen gas prices like that since I was like nine years old. <laughs> it's pretty. It's a. Uh, it's pretty uh, surreal. Um, it is. If, is there anything you've learned, I guess, about yourself? Not to give like a, not to give like an exit interview yeah. type of question or anything <laughs> like. But is there any? Is there anything you've learned, I guess, about yourself while you've been a uh, hunkered down? Anything? Um, anything new you're trying? Anything to kind of uh, pass the time? Um, this is gonna make me sound like a functioning alcoholic, but um, 
my parents <laughs> for Christmas because they didn't know what to get me. They got me a bunch of like quote unquote barkeep and bartender stuff and like books as well to like actually make like your own spirits from by hand and from scratch. And like I started following it. I'm like, oh, this isn't too bad. And now I'm like getting savvy with that. And so I don't know. There's a guy on YouTube named Cocktail Chemistry who like breaks down like the history of certain drinks and like has his own spins and unique twists and he'll do drinks from shows and stuff too. It's funny you mentioned The Simpsons. Like he tried to make a flaming mo and he couldn't figure really how to do it, but um because <laughs> he can't add cough syrup to a drink. But um no, I've been doing a lot of that, doing a lot of cooking, and I've learned to love how to run. I used to hate running a lot, but um mm-hmm. at least in Ohio they encourage well it's like a mandatory half hour. I call it my mandatory half hour daily excursion, but I usually go over that when I run. But um, it's nice to get out and get fresh air just after being cooped up inside the same place with my stale old farts all day. So um, <laughs> it's good to go for a run for a little bit. And I've learned to learn how to love it. And people like make fun of me They're like, oh, I hate running. I'm like, no, it, it literally makes me feel so much better just to be outside and have fresh air. And like even if yeah. cold and gross out, because that's the other thing. It's been it was snowing last week so that's always fun but um yeah no i don't mind it too much and i've learned to love it which is something weird to say because if you talk to me maybe even six months ago running was a chore for me and i absolutely hated it when i had to work out so yeah no, that's where i've been at what about you pal um pretty much just trying to keep myself occupied luckily i built um my new gaming computer before i built it in early march the first week of march i think and it was yeah it was the first week of march i built it just in time before like amazon started changing their prime service policies Mm -hmm. to like cater more to essential needs and stuff like that yeah and so i built i built that just in time because i i would i think i told you that i was saving i was trying to save up for a new rig for a while and um i bought a bunch of games on steam in preparation for <laughs> you know my new transition into uh quote unquote the pc master race <laughs> um with uh with my other buddies because they all have great rigs and i built a computer 10 years ago and it kind of kicked the bucket like uh two or three months ago after b- basically staying in working function for nine years surprisingly um and so I saved up a bit for this one and it's going to be my it's going to be my forever computer. I won't go into how much I spent on it, but as you can imagine, uh building a computer is not cheap and I wanted it to be a forever PC. Mm-hmm. So um uh, I got that, so I've kind of been uh, preoccupied with that catching up on games and all that all that stuff. What um, have you been catching up on? I've been so I've it's been a mix. So I've been playing The Witcher ooh, 3 ooh, finally. Ooh, such a good it, game. I it it is such a you know how good of a game it is on my last computer it had none of the even the minimum requirements to run Witcher three and I still installed it and I still played sixty hours. I remember you telling just me this completely crappy graphics and they did and it was so bad that it did the thing where you could hear the audio of the dialogue right you could hear the audio of the dialogue first and then 10 seconds later the character starts mouthing out the dialogue Mm. that was (laughs) said 10 seconds before that's That's how bad it was and then eventually i was like i can't do myself a disservice i gotta wait until i build my computer and that was like three years ago and so i've been playing that now and it's fantastic Mm, Um, such a good game 
Grand Theft Auto Five too. Yeah. And now that, and now that I ha- was that an end. <laughs> I'm not a GTA guy, to be fair. Like, I'm not. I'm not either. I didn't grow up playing. That was like the only game I played, My dad wouldn't let me and my brother play growing up. <laughs> same. I lied to my mom so she'd buy me San Andreas, and then after I played it for a little <laughs> bit, <clears throat> like after like I don't know. It, it, I wasn't one of those kids. Like my, I don't think my parents worried about me being like that child who was influenced by video games. So. My dad wasn't happy, but like I was just like, eh. My brother plays so much GTA Five online, though it's absurd. But like, I mean, uh, it's 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 cool. Um, it's uh, well, obviously, it's the newer GTA, so it's modernized, yeah. and you could drive around LA and stuff like that. Like just just doing the side stuff. It's one of those games where even just doing the side stuff is fun. I didn't re- yeah, I didn't really play any of the Grand Theft Autos growing same. up. Not san andreas vice city or any of that um the first of those games that i actually owned was saints row that was uh, when i finally Same. you know i played graduated from high school i played saints um, row the third with my buddy and like that's a parody of gta and like i had a blast that's that. such a ridiculous game <laughs> yeah that's the thing like gta takes itself so seriously and after i played saints row i'm like yeah ah, man like i get it like these it's probably has a great story and it prints money but it's just i couldn't get into i cannot get into them like i like exploring and i like doing whatever and i like like the sandbox environment but then i just kind of get bored with it after a while and i'm like all right yeah so like when you play when you play saints row first and then you play gta you're just like yeah i get that it's like the quote-unquote exquisite storytelling that gta has and stuff like that but saints row like they really lean into the you could just blow shit up (laughs) and do and just do crazy stuff and that's also something i just i uh really appreciate Same. um so going back to the uh simpsons and i swear we will talk about basketball <laughs> at some point um but i i've uh, i think i told you i st- or you know i've been re-watching the simpsons yeah, on brother. disney plus um thank shout out to mom and dad who are probably listening they have that free disney plus for a year and so i hopped on and i started uh watching it and i'm at the uh i guess i'm at what's considered the golden age now the weird thing about the simpsons was i was into it in middle school like i was into simpsons hard in middle school like i had a poster of all the characters mm-hmm. hanging up in my room and stuff like that um and then i stopped watching it right around high school or whatever but i didn't realize going back and watching like the earlier see i saw a lot of early simpsons episodes like seasons one through four probably one through five but Mm -hmm. um i'm on season three now and i guess i'm at what's considered the golden age i think zach lowe and howard beck had a podcast talking about uh tv because like everybody else we're bored as hell right now um and he zach lowe brought up the simpsons and he was saying that uh the golden age of the simpsons was from 91 to 95 so i wanted to ask you what is the golden age era is that the right i guess timeline for the gold what you consider the golden age for the simpsons what is your favorite section of the simpsons because i'm on season three now so i'm that came out in 91 so i think i'm getting started with the golden era quote unquote um no season three is really really good i'm like going through the episode list now um homer it's hilarious homer defined is such a good episode um oh i saw that one yesterday and i was laughing so hard man like it's... i saw that after the uh, jordan doc after uh, yeah the 
two Jordan, the two newest Jordan episodes or Last Dance episodes, and I was laughing so hard. It it was hilarious. See, that's the craziest thing. I'm like, season three has so many good episodes. Like every episode's a hit. Season four is really good, and I think that's my favorite season because like I love Camp Krusty, I love Homer the Heretic, I love Marge gets a job. I like Mr. Plow's one of my favorite episodes ever. Um, Homer's Triple Bypass, Marge versus the Monorail, which was written by Conan O'Brien. For those of you listening at home, um really Ooh. really good episode yeah conan used to be a writer on the the simpsons had such a good writing yeah. staff but um yeah no you're definitely in the golden era and um there's just so many like random quotes and one-liners i can pull from that like because um, you could tell you could tell after like season two you're you're you could tell watching the first two seasons you're like i could see why this stayed yeah and then like after season three you're like okay they got the budget budget now and like the animation's better yeah the voice acting sounds way better like the this audio quality of the voice acting sounds way better the writing's obviously a lot better because they had time under their under their feet doing it and so I've like the first like eight episodes, I think I'm halfway through season three, but I have laughed every time, like laughed my ass off every time. No, it's you're in the yeah, you're in the good range. And like there's some solid episodes after like 95 and leading towards um like the turn of the millennium and everything. And like there's a bit of a drop off, but apparently it's a lot like SpongeBob for some reason. Apparently SpongeBob's had surgeons as well, where they've just kind of gone back to like what worked for the show instead of just trying to be. Thank like God. what the Simpsons like <laughs> I know they try to do for a while they try to follow the South Park model where they like try to follow topical news of what was going on at the time but the problem is I don't think the Simpsons produces their episodes like South Park where have you ever watched that documentary about how they produce an episode of South Park it's absolutely insane uh no I have I've heard I'll about it, it but I haven't I'll watched it, it to you sometime it's like yeah. 40 minutes but it's like they storyboard the idea like on a Saturday or a Sunday and they're observing what's topical in the news that day and they quite literally no 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 maybe on a thursday or friday and then they storyboard it and like work through it and animate it and they have it submitted to comedy yeah, central yeah, yeah. by tuesday night so it can air wednesday night and then like there's plenty of times like because the episode they focused on was when um president obama i think beat cheney um they had two separate episodes animated and ready to go based on who won the election because the election was announced that night and so like that's absolutely insane but like the simpsons tried to copy that model for a while and instead they just find like subtle comedy and sharp humor and like just jokes that maybe like have pop culture references or just culture references in general but like they stay condensed within their own universe which works really well which like i guess spongebob kind of did the same thing because like spongebob had a falling off as well and i have an axe to grind and we don't have enough time for me to talk about my feelings about nickelodeon and spongebob but um yeah, no, you're in the golden era of The Simpsons, but... Sure. You know, <laughs> no, I have a lot of thoughts on uh, the new movie that's coming out, but um, I don't know. It's just... I, I'm going to go on a tangent. So when Stephen Hillen... I love cartoon cha- tangents because I agree with you. I think... Oh, I haven't watched Spongebob recently, yeah. but like I remember when they started going to like the new art style and the new animation and stuff like that and the episodes just they were trash like they didn't they didn't they just didn't hit no they didn't they (laughs) didn't they didn't hit the same exactly and like i don't know my friend and i were sending clips back and forth the other day just from the episode where uh sandy's in hibernation because i called him dirty dan and he called me pinhead larry (laughs) yeah and i'm like dude there's so many like (laughs) off lines in that show where like 
Who you calling Pinhead? Yeah, who you calling Pinhead? Or like <laughs> they didn't use cannons in the old west, and like they didn't use station wagons either. And he shots Patrick with a snow station wagon. He's just like nice paneling. I'm like that line kills me for some reason. <laughs> but my beef with SpongeBob. So when Stefan Hillenberg was still alive, he's the creator of the show. Um, yeah, he was adamant with Nickelodeon that he didn't want to do a bunch of spinoff series. He didn't want to like mark. I mean, like obviously there's SpongeBob toys and there's like food and candy or whatever and like there's plenty of youtube videos out there like document all this stuff that you can watch if you really want to get in the nitty-gritty of it like yeah that's fine like that's part of the nickelodeon experience especially when your show is the face of a children's cartoon network like that's where you're at but he basically told nickelodeon he doesn't want to do a bunch of derivative um spin-off series and everything and like just kind of keep it within house and then when he says the show is done it's done the moment he passed away have you seen the trailers for the new movie about like i don't know it's like a 3d animated movie but like yeah it does not it 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 does not appeal to me to say the least there is a thing within that where they show a younger spongebob beating gary and patrick and squidward called camp coral that is actually an introductory that's a launching point to the fact that they are starting a nick jr series called camp coral about a younger spongebob and it's more or less they're desecrating the grave of steven hillenberg and the fact that um he didn't want to do spinoffs and the moment he died since nickelodeon owns the intellectual property rights to the character in the show they respected his wishes while he was alive and the moment he died they're like all right let's get cracking and they have like a bunch of spinoff series planned for the show and i'm like fuck you guys so in retaliation and in protest i will not watch the movie in theaters and i may watch it through less than legal means just to make sure Nickelodeon doesn't get any money out of me. And at that point, Disney probably will own them, so it'll just be Disney, and it'll end up on Disney Plus at some point, so. I'm going to have to ask my little my uh, little brother if he feels the same way, because he, he, he was a big Spongebob guy growing up. Uh, do you want to know a little fun fact before I start asking you some uh, basketball questions about a Steven, Steven Hellenberg? Absolutely. So for, the listeners who don't know who uh, don't know my backstory, I went to Humboldt State University. And for those of you who do not live in California and don't know what the hell I just said, Humboldt State University is a it's a small little college up in the rural areas of Humboldt County in Northern California, where all the redwood trees are. Um, it's known as it's part of the Emerald Triangle of Humboldt County, Trinity County, and Mendocino mm-hmm. County, and we're called the Emerald Triangle because it's known yeah. for a lot of weed up there. And um, so, <laughs> Stephen Helen Hillenberg actually he went to Humboldt State University, and oh. he came up with the idea of the Krusty Krab. Now, this is legend. I have I've tried to confirm it. I still don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, I'd imagine it's true, but or that this because it's a long time story but the crusty crab the idea of the crusty crab in spongebob originated from stars hamburgers in uh, arcada california which is where Humboldt state is located um arcada is a little small huh. college town in Humboldt county i lived there for a few years but um there is a tan- there is a connection between uh my school my area and uh the creator of the the creator of spongebob so um just thought of i'd throw in a little factoid huh. for you since you said you you were a big spongebob guy um so the nba season now that we uh can move on to some basketball before we get to more nerd stuff later on in the show <laughs> uh, 
So the NBA season, it's been over a month since the NBA season has been suspended. And honestly, another way I describe this whole Corona pandemic and everything to people that I know and talk to, um, family and friends, I always say like, this is the slowest and somehow the fastest time has gone by at the same time with all of this. Um, and it just it's just seems like it's been forever since it happened, even though it's been a month or it's been basically over six weeks now. I let's start with this. Um, so where were you when? Uh, where were you the night the NBA got suspended? Because it was leading up to uh, well, the Mavericks and the Nuggets were playing on ESPN first. Uh, I think the Thunder and the Jazz were going to play at six. They were going to play at 6 p.m. Pacific time, which was my time. And then mm-hmm. what's, where were you as you're monitoring Twitter and seeing all the developments happening before the Jazz and the Thunder uh, game and how everybody was basically standing around waiting to see if it was going to be canceled or not? And then all the stuff that ultimately led to Rudy Gobert's positive test and then the NBA being suspended. Um, I think not, not, not that I think I know. Um, I just finished up recording my show locked on Cavs because the Cavs played the night before and lost to the bulls 108 to 103. And for people to think I'm like rain, man, I have the box score pulled up. That's why I said that number. Um, <laughs> so I was just kind of going through things. And then I said, Chris, we have to scrap what we're talking about. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, um, yeah, so I think we tackled that, and then I was just kind of in communication with the Cavs organization because they just had played the Jazz, and um, thankfully, uh, again, like speaking from a position of privilege here, I didn't go to the Cavs-Jazz game that night. So. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, so like I had that fear for a second, but I was around players and members of the coaching staff and organization after that, so um i was largely working from home at that point to begin with but like that's when i said all right i'm shutting myself down for two weeks so i didn't have any human interaction after that point which absolutely sucked as much as like phone calls and facetime calls help but um that was tough but like you know i was just kind of monitoring the situation just kind of like trying to get answers from the league trying to get answers from the Cavs, trying to get answers from like what's going on and just like monitoring just like a lot of the situations going on and then it's just a lot to take in. I think I was up to like three thirty four that night and then had to be up for work at like 7 a.m. the next day. But like I filed a story about how um, this was going to uh, impact the Cavs financially because I think a lot of people weren't aware of the time of in the CBA that they have that um, like the pandemic clause and they're essentially in their contracts. I mean, there's a French term for it that I'm not going to butcher right now, but um it's just like i was like researching that and i'm like wow that's crazy and then like i'm talking to players i'm talking to agents and like just kind of figuring out what's going on and like trying to monitor the situation and the fact that um from what i remember i know the thunder game was called almost immediately but i feel like some nba teams were still trying to play and then yeah a lot of pushback from that it was just like a weird and crazy time and then i remember at first the nba didn't know what they were going to do and um I was just like, okay, so are the Cavs playing tomorrow? And then I got word from the organization at like 2 a.m. saying like, no, we told everyone just to stay home and 
there is no def- definitive plan. Cause I think they're going to play in Charlotte the following day. The Cavs were, and they said there's no definitive plan to really what's going to happen next, and we don't really know what to go from here. And that's still the answer. Like people ask me every now and then, like when do you think basketball is going to be back? Have you heard anything? And I'm like, my best guess is mid to late summer, and that's just me. Like that's not sourced or vetted or anything. That's just me kind of reading the tea leaves. But like, there's no yeah. one knows what's going to happen, and like the situation is so fluid and so chaotic that. Yeah, it's just, and it's so hard to wrap around that. Like you said, it's been the fastest. Oh, it's been over a month. It's been about five weeks, I think. Yeah, March 11th was when the season got suspended. So that would be a month and 16 days. So at the time we're recording this. So like, it's, it's been a while. It's definitely been a while since like we've seen actual basketball. And like, I don't know if there's really an end in sight because I was talking to my mom and dad about this the other day. I said, like, I just don't think anyone's really properly prepared for a pandemic to just shut down life as we know it. And I don't really know where we go from here, but it's going to be weird. And there's definitely a lot I miss. Um, I was super frustrated with the cast by the time uh, this shut this whole shutdown happened. So, like, having been, been a, a month removed from the entire situation, like, I definitely do miss hoops and just the Cavs in general. I was going to say, you want to talk about frustration. I miss the just pure, unrefined and uncut uh, anger and frustration that comes from Sixers Twitter. Like, somehow Mm -hmm. I miss that. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, oh, nobody's, uh, there's no game today. There's no, um, there's no uh, fans wanting to trade Ben Simmons because he didn't look at the rim when he was at the three-point line for the 15th time in the game. There's no you sending me the <laughs> same but different, written, writtenly different version of a Ben Simmons joke. Like, I, mi- I miss all of that. Like, <clears throat> do, you, do you miss Tristan Thompson making more three-pointers than him in his career? <laughs> Just going to remind you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I for, I I didn't know that. I didn't know he had more uh, career three pointers made than Ben Simmons. That is news to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but uh, in all like in all seriousness, like this has made me like miss even the little stuff. Like just just the I guess the I've been trying to like whenever I watch games, I've been trying to be on Twitter and Twitter less. So like because I feel like I haven't. Because sometimes, yeah. you know, you feel like you're not paying attention or you miss something or whatever. Yeah. That's but... what I've been trying to do during the last dance is like I try to yeah, not have it spoiled for me. And I try to keep my phone away and my computer away just so I can zero in on it and enjoy it. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, now, it, like you said, now that, you know, a packed sporting week nowadays is considered of NFL draft that has multiple Zoom meetings and um a documentary that comes out weekly then um i guess i'll take the the live reacting to stuff with people on twitter as i can get because it's kind of just reminds me of uh it reminds me of something that was once normal (laughs) i guess and i'm just trying to seek anything that's normal at this point um considering every how much everything's just changed but i miss like I miss a lot of the NBA. I can't wait for it to come back also because like, I don't want to see any more, man, people forget Andre Miller was just nasty. And it's just like a two minute clip of like his best plays. And it's like, Oh my God, we're doing Andre Miller highlights. We're doing 
um what are we gonna do when is Quaza next or Edward <laughs> like what are we what what forgotten bench player are we gonna say oh we forgot this guy was nasty you know <laughs> like it's we're just bored out of our minds and we just I just want basketball to come back obviously in safe in circumstances got to keep perspective here yeah. but I mean it's just there were so many there were so many good storylines this year this was it's weird to look at the season now is considering that it's not even over we don't even know what the hell is going to happen but like this season if you like just take a breath for a second and just look at it it's one of those basketball wise Mm -hmm. there were storylines everywhere like i there were so many good things about the nba this season but just off the court there was just so much bs that like I I just couldn't like the season starts off with the geopolitical crisis um, with Daryl with Daryl Morey's tweets. Um, David Stern passes away. We lose two pillars of the league that we love so much and David Stern and then tragically or and then tragically Kobe Bryant, too. Mm -hmm. And then the season gets suspended and now we're and now we're just sitting here waiting for i guess what are the next steps and the crazy thing is we don't know and the unknown is scary and it's 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 just it's really it's really bizarre um so i before we did this podcast i asked you uh to come up with a few topics of Mm -hmm. i'm not sure um, any of these either so that that that's a plus on my part. Oh, you're not trolling me on on any of these. <laughs> no, not not one of them is like Tristan Thompson making more three pointers than. Oh, okay. Is like <clears throat> it, it it is known, so we don't have to dive too far <laughs> into it. Um, but uh, so we'll go with well, depending on how, because I do want to get to our uh another ranking list of ours later, but um. We'll go with two topics. So okay. we'll we'll each we'll each alternate. I know I said let's do three, but for time's sake, we'll try we'll we'll alternate. We'll choose two each. So since you are the guest on my podcast, which by uh-huh. the way, you have been, I think, the first guest on the other two previous versions of my podcast. Rest in peace to those podcasts who are off in the universe in the shadow realm with all the other failed started <laughs> podcasts um but you are the first guest on this new podcast so you have I'm the honored. honors evan um what is a topic that or storyline that you were following this nba season and because it's suspended you're just like damn like i really wanted to see how that played out uh well here's a broader one um that kind of hits closer to home for me is just how exciting this rookie class was with zion you have jaw you have brandon clark kevin porter jr is you know a stud and i know you're high on him and then like there's also a lot of lukewarm picks as well and being a guy who covers the Cavs, like darius garland is one of those lukewarm picks and it's just super it's a bummer especially for teams that are rebuilding like cleveland that times like this is paramount for the development of your young core to help you build towards a possible playoff team and to have it come to a screeching halt again especially like cleveland where they their coach realizes he doesn't like coaching basketball anymore 50 plus games into the year and jb bickerstaff is just starting to like figure things out like to have that come to a screeching halt is such a bummer 
boy do i miss like the team building aspect and like getting hyped up for the draft like i, I if you check yeah. my pulse when it came to the draft like it would be flatlining because like i'm just gonna read whatever people who are more acquainted with the stuff say and you get to base it on tape and workouts that's what a lot of teams are doing like that's what the nfl did and like that's just where i'm at like i miss the excitement about the future of the nba and then obviously there's more to it now like Giannis as well as like the future of the nba future face of the nba like that's exciting and just like i miss the excitement factor and i miss the potential for how the nba was building like a firm foothold on just dominating the market because there's such a like our generation and people younger than us like are becoming bigger bas bigger and bigger basketball fans that like they're gonna start hopefully giving the nfl a run for their money on being the most popular league in this um in north america and it's just <laughs> it just sucks like i i miss watching these young exciting players like grow and develop and maybe trying to figure out and guess what like what kind of player they're gonna be the grizzlies you still write about the grizzlies for hoops habit right correct so the Grizzlies and this t my topic kind of intersects with your topic and when we're talking about young players and developing players the battle for the eighth seed um the Memphis Grizzlies or in the Western Conference the battle for the eighth seed in the Western Conference which is currently being held by the Memphis Grizzlies they pulled off one of the more impressive one-year turnarounds that I can remember um to go from an era of grit and grind. And then you trade Marcus all last year to the Raptors You're signaling. You want to rebuild. You still keep Mike Conley, even though he was uh, injured for a lot of last year. Mm -hmm. um, you, but you trade Marcus all, you get stuff back. You trade Mike Conley. Um, you trade Mike Conley, you get more stuff in return. And then in a season where you get the number two pick and then you get John Morant and you already have Jaron Jackson Jr. where if he could stop fouling will be a monster, just monster impact defensive player. He's like the perfect modern big, a big that could shoot threes, has defensive instincts, can guard five positions. Mm -hmm. Just can't um, rebound. Yeah, ju just needs to work on his rebounding and he needs to stop fouling the hell out of everybody. Um, John Morant, one of the more young and exciting point guards in the NBA. Um, there is a whole Joel Embiid rookie of the year, Zion Williamson rookie of the year argument that everybody's somehow flipping around that I won't get into because that's making me uh, annoyed as a Sixer fan. But that's neither <laughs> neither that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Brandon Clark, great floater game, very good player, um, highly efficient scorer was a nice big off the bench. I know he's a little bit older for a rookie, but for a team that already has were for a team that has two cornerstones that are not 18 and 19 respectively, having a quote unquote young player, like a Brandon Clark, who's 22, 23, but you know what he is and you'll, and he, uh, he knows his role. I think that's perfect. That's a perfect glove fit mm -hmm. for uh, building a young team. And then instead of, and then instead of waiting to, uh, or instead of like listening to people and saying, oh, they should buy out Andre Iguodala, they end up getting something in return for him. And I know it's Justice awesome. Winslow needs to stay healthy. And the more I look at it now, that trade is actually kind of weird uh, for oh. the Grizzlies. Yeah. Even though in the end, I still like the trade for them because Justice Winslow, when healthy, I like him as a player. Like he started playing well in uh, the point guard role last year. Uh, for Miami we'll see if his three-point shooting is still real but the Grizzlies 
got another young asset. And so the battle for this eighth seed in the Western Conference is the one thing I'm going to uh, that I'm kind of sad that I don't get to see how it plays out because the Sacramento Kings and I, I live in Sacramento. Um, I went, I've covered Sacramento uh, Kings games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this team was really hoping to make the playoffs. And honestly, by the end of January, that looked like a long shot. It almost looked like if you were in late January and you were recounting like the Kings preseason goals when you go to media day and training camp and they're saying their goals um they wanted to make the playoffs it it was a joke if you just go as back as far back as late January like those preseason goals were were considered lofty and a joke at that point because they had lost like 10 in a row they had lost 17 they had they had they went through a really bad stretch from late Jan, from late december to uh the month of january and when they put buddy healed on the bench and started bringing him off the bench and inserted bogdan bogdanovich in the starting lineup the Kings started to make a run and there was a three-way tie for the ninth spot in the west mm-hmm. the grizzly the kings the, the pelicans and the blazers three and a half games back of the grizzlies and they were kind of making a run. And after the trade the Grizzlies did, they were kind of tailing off a little bit. Yeah. I think they were five and five and five in their last ten games. Like they were slipping a little bit. So I really wanted to see how that played out. Yeah, no, same here. Like that's Man, it's it's one, it's frustrating because the Cavs are such a bad team, like just ineptly run in terms of building like a young, promising core. Like the Grizzlies, like you said, just a cycle back a little bit like the way they did it in such a fast way is just spectacular and like they're such in a good place going forward in terms of like draft picks as well just from what they've accumulated over time and like that's a good start and then yeah no that western conference race is super compelling like i would want to say that i think memphis could still lock it in but like you said like they're starting to slouch a little bit after those trades and like sacramento was coming portland was coming new orleans is just you know a breath of fresh life when you have a freak like Zion Williamson, like to juice up your roster, like that definitely helps as well. Like that was super compelling and super interesting, and just like on the grander scheme of things as well. Like I also miss like in terms of the playoff racing. Like you have are we are we getting in your second your second yeah, topic? Yeah, we are. Like this is a good segue actually. So it's the early beginnings of what felt like a Giannis Lebron rivalry. Like a lot like how everyone wanted Steph and Lebron to be a thing, and it just. There's a lot of conspiracies like with Nike and Under Armour and <clears throat> there's a lot of books like um, Ethan Strauss's new book about the Kevin Durant Warriors is like definitely a fascinating read and I would recommend anyone who's listening to check it out if you can. Um, there's like the conspiracy that Under Armour or Nike viewed Under Armour as a threat so to negotiate the bill this isn't from the book this is from what i've heard that to negotiate that lifetime deal for lebron like there's a clause that he had to play out part of his time in la to completely squash the market for steph and um i think this (laughs) wait what (laughs) yeah there's a conspiracy out there that nike was worried that once because they fumbled the pitch with steph curry actually to sign him to like a lifetime contract according to dell and they apparently used kevin durant's presentation and forgot to change the names on the slide so they all said kevin instead of steph yeah didn't ethan strauss do that big story yeah. on espn about the yes Under Armour yes steph? Yeah, yeah so like they fumbled that and then under armor gets steph to be like other than cam newton to be the face of like 
major sports for them. Um, and like I mean, this the Steph Curry, like his first shoes are apps like a joke. I remember people roasting them so hard because it looked like a uh, hospital shoes, but um, that doesn't help oh itself. So the grand conspiracy there was Under Armour viewed Steph or not Under Armour Nike viewed Steph as a threat because Under Armour was in a really good market in California, like the Bay Area, and like you can really promote his brand from there, and then like that leads to a worldwide brand thing and. You have signature athletes in Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and LeBron for your basketball division. You send LeBron to the West Coast. And here's the other hidden agenda as well, apparently, that Nike planned this. They helped Kevin Durant sign with Golden State to undermine Kevin's, or not Kevin, Steph's shoe sales to help firm re- reacquire the grasp hold of the shoe market on the West Coast. And then you send LeBron there to finish the deal because he's your best shoe guy, and he holds a firm a firm grasp in Los Angeles, and like that's the biggest media market other than New York. Which, lo and behold, Kyrie and Kevin Durant are at. So that's the grand conspiracy that Nike orchestrated some of these moves that some of their uh, marquee basketball athletes were doing, and that's just the grand conspiracy on a lot of things that um, they want control on both the West Coast and the East Coast. And they viewed Steph as a threat, so they sent KD in to undermine him and then they set lebron in to finish the job to reacquire being the shoe king on the west coast but to back get back what i was saying the beginnings of like the bucks and lakers like were two of the most fun teams to watch this year um and like lebron's storyline is compelling because the lakers didn't make the playoffs last year and he finally looked banged up and he looked vulnerable and just stepped slow and like him and anthony davis he's playing with like a new look he's playing with like a new life and um like the lakers in a really good position at least for the time being because lebron giveth and lebron taketh and i think the uh the time's coming for the lakers in the next two years or so so they maybe not be so happy then but for now they're pretty good like that's fun and then like i remember that bucks lakers game when Giannis was pretending to put the crown on his head and everything like that's like a compelling rivalry and i feel like there's actually something here because Giannis is quickly having a meteoric rise and he's in his own conference and i from all accounts from what i've heard and what i've seen like he's gonna stay in milwaukee and he's gonna remain loyal to milwaukee like that's a legitimate threat to lebron's grasp of being the best player in the nba and being the face of the nba and like i think that's a compelling fun rivalry and like you have a bucks lakers final that you can start hyping up like now with the playoffs they'd be getting close to the second round at this point like you start hyping up the possibility of that like this is just great for the nba and it's great for the fans and like I miss watching good teams play each other, I think is what I'm getting at too, is because I'm subjected to watch the Cavs. Yeah, there were a lot of good teams this year. There were a lot of good teams this year and a lot of good games this year, man. Like you it's a uh, it's funny you're talking about LeBron versus Giannis because one of my favorite moments from the NBA season, and I I love Giannis. I do too. Um, I, I really do love Giannis. He's just such a unique player. I haven't seen obviously it goes without saying i haven't seen anything like Giannis, but um one of my favorite moments from this season was this recent bucks lakers game and it was in the third quarter it was Giannis hit a three in lebron's grill well i don't know if it was in lebron's grill because lebron kind of sagged off and kind of gave like a yeah it kind of gave like a half-hearted contest because it's Giannis pulling up but Giannis still made the three and right it it was still with lebron defending him and then the next possession down the lakers get the ball or this was after um this was after Giannis made a three after lebron the previous possession posted up Giannis, backed him down like 
he was a dad backing down mm-hmm. his 11 year old son in the driveway and Giannis blocked LeBron's shot but it was a goaltend a very clear goaltend yeah Giannis hits a three Lakers get the possession back and LeBron posts up Giannis on the left block everybody's isolated on the other side the the staple center PA system starts playing West Side Story by the game, which is an underrated factoid I don't think anybody talks about when they look at this highlight. But LeBron gets the ball in the post. It's him and Giannis one-on-one. The crowd is, like, crescendoing, and they're, like, rising up because they, like, know, like, this is – these are, like, the two dudes right here. Like, these are the two guys in the league that are on top of each conference – play the same position mm-hmm. one is the previous king then one is the up and coming and the crowd's rising up and lebron's just sizing up Giannis, and he just takes Giannis right to the basket and puts him in the rim and scores and the lakers bench is going nuts the crowd's going nuts mike breen is losing his mind he's like the, he's he had a really great call on that play he's just like the two mvp candidates guarding each other and it's like oh here we go yeah and I just what we had so many good games like that this year, like Pelicans Bucks, not to bring up the Bucks again, but like Zion flying into the rim oh, yeah. while Giannis is contesting. That's like watching a damn kaiju film. Like <laughs> you're just watching two monsters just collide at the rim. And it's it was just so fun this yeah. year. Um and it ties into my second topic. And I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that our topics kind of tied together, or maybe it's a good thing, but uh this season from LeBron is my favorite LeBron season of his career. You are I was, so wrong. I, How I think dare you. I, I, <laughs> 2015 16 LeBron was my favorite season. I know. And I, I have know my I'm reasons. Talking, <laughs> I know I'm talking to a Cavs fan here, so I we might disagree a little bit here, but I'm as a neutral observer and as someone who. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm a big LeBron stan. I'm a LeBron fan. I love watching LeBron play. I think he is, at worst, a top-two player of all time. All obvious statements. I don't think I'm breaking ground here. That's okay, uh, man. He's the best player of all time. I get it. (laughs) Uh, It it could, honestly, like, for me, it could go either or at this point. Like, I I I get it. (laughs) There's no debate. (laughs) But, uh... This is my favorite season from Mm -hmm. LeBron because it kind of just, it reminds me of like, it'd be like if, if Clint Eastwood or somebody showed up in a new movie where like the up and coming actors are like starring in it, but Clint Eastwood's there and he's just like, oh yeah, well, let me show you young bucks a thing or two about, you know, making a big movie. Like this season from LeBron was like the old dude showing literally everybody in the league. Like, oh yeah. He's look when it comes playoff time, like nobody's going to choose any other player, but me, which has kind of been my mindset with LeBron these last few years. Cause like I get, I get the whole LeBron could be MVP every year, but like if you're taking a month or two off from the season, which you can attest to as a Cavs fan, I mean, I think you could even admit like LeBron definitely took stretches of time Mm -hmm. off when he was on the court playing. And so to me that, that, that's a knock against him if you're trying to win a regular season MVP award. But if you're talking about the playoffs, I don't care if it's Kevin Durant. I don't care if it's Kawhi. I don't care if it's Giannis. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's, um, let's see who, I don't care if it's, you know, 
Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant teaming up on the Brooklyn. I don't care who it is. I'm taking LeBron James in a single playoff game. If I need to win it all, I'm taking LeBron James until he retires. And just the fact, the sheer fact that he could just decide I'm going to lead the league in assists for the first time in my career. Like this is, that's the other thing that I love about this LeBron season so much. We know he's an all-time great passer, but like, his passes this year have just been, I don't know what it is. It's just, hes it's like he's a golfer mm-hmm. that's trying to master like pinpointing shots on the green. It's like, it's really, it's, it's really crazy. Like you, he knows when the help is coming, where the release valves are, or he'll post up on the opposite side of the block mm-hmm. and then just fling a one handed dart to the corner. Like, do you remember when the Lakers played the Nets? It was a pass that was going around on Twitter, but LeBron basically was posting up on the left block. One of the Nets defenders was coming over to help. And before Contavious Coldwell-Pope relocated to the opposite corner from where LeBron was on the block, LeBron just flings the pass to that corner before KCP is even running to that spot. So by the time KCP comes to the corner, the ball is right there. He could just catch it and shoot it. And he caught it, shot it, made it. And Mm -hmm. it was so surreal. I was like, this guy is like, he mastered another level of basketball this year. And he might decline a little bit in athleticism. This LeBron James is still a better athlete than 99% of the world. And I don't know, like, he debunked all the stupid narratives that have come with him during his career. One of the ones I hated the most. Oh, he played in the Eastern Conference. It's like, okay, uh, well, it's if it's so easy, why didn't John because... Wall do it? Why isn't Giannis going to the finals every year? Why why didn't Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan beat LeBron at literally any point in their careers during the playoffs? Like, if it's so easy, why doesn't anybody else do it? And then he comes to the West last year uh the lakers were a fourth seed he gets injured on christmas day and surprise surprise the lakers start playing like crap the young guys start falling apart and then lebron by the time lebron comes back it's too late and then this year best record in the west at a conference where he allegedly couldn't win in even though he has like a 64 percent winning percentage against western conference teams for his career and then to make to make it even more hilarious, when it's just Anthony Davis on the court, the Lakers actually and LeBron is off the court, mm-hmm. so lineups where it's just Anthony Davis, the Lakers actually get outscored on a per hundred one hundred possession basis. Now that's not fair. Some of it's not fair to Anthony Davis, just for disclosure, because the Lakers roster construction stinks. Um, yeah, but when it's just LeBron on the court, the Lakers have. The Lakers uh, outscore opponents by, I think it was plus 10.7 points per 100 possessions per cleaning the glass or something like that. Like, this mm-hmm. LeBron season, to bring it all back for my long-winded expose on <laughs> why I love this LeBron season so much, like, all this stuff factored in. LeBron has debunked every narrative this year with his with uh, his dominance in the Western Conference. He is year 17, still 20, still 25, 7 and or still 25, seven, and I think it was 10, it was 10 point something assist, leading the league in assist, best post, post up season of his career. It's incredible. It's just, 
There's no... I, I can't go on anymore. Take over for me. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Hard to disagree that this is the best LeBron year. Oh, it's but not the best. It's not the I'm best. Biased. It's my favorite. It's my personal okay, favorite. Well, 2013 I, LeBron I'm not gonna was be, the best. I'm not... Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Like, that's the best LeBron, but like my favorite is still the 2015-16 LeBron just because what he was able to pull off. Yeah, I was listening to your guys' uh, the happiest day of my life. I was listening to your guys' uh, Locked on Cavs episode about the 08-09 LeBron season. That season was incredible, too. Uh, yeah, no, it really and was. And that was <laughs> a funny... St- Stupidly efficient. A funny story about that. So... Um, Growing up in Bakersfield, California, that's about an hour and a half away from L.A. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of Laker fans in Bakersfield. And, you know, I knew I knew quite yeah. a bit. And so me and my high school buddy, um, my high school buddy is friends with a bunch of Laker fans. And so whenever we'd go watch basketball, we'd go hit up the nearest Mountain Mike's Pizza near our school mm-hmm. to, to watch some hoops. And we watched me and this was before my high school friend turned on LeBron. He was actually a LeBron fan. And but of course, his friends, his Laker fan friends, they were Kobe guys and they hated LeBron. And so we went to Mountain Mike's to watch game two of Magic's Cavs. And when LeBron hit that shot, like because the entire time me and my me and my high school friend were rooting for LeBron to win. Because the season's insane. This Cavs team, is, Cavs team was incredible at home. They were annihilating opponents. Um, LeBron was out of this world that year. What, what was? How old was he that year? Twenty four. I think. So. I think it was twenty four. In twenty four, twenty five, averaging what he did that year. It is twenty four. At what he did that year was insane. So when LeBron hit that yeah. shot. Me and my friend, we jump up from our table and we like the the table kind of tips so <laughs> the chair the chairs flew out. We're just like we're running around Mountain Mike's going, LeBron, the chosen one, the chosen one and my and the Laker fans that were there, they would just have their heads down. They're just like, You gotta be kidding me. Like the narrative yeah. skip skip bayless told us the whole time he wasn't clutch and he hit the shot what <laughs> like this is so yeah. confusing <laughs> and we were just freaking out it was it was a good those those early even though um we talk about now in retrospect maybe a little it's overstated about how bad those Cavs teams were though yeah. they were fun teams i loved watching lebron in high that was a what was it? The Pistons series where he scored 29 out of the last 30. I was a freshman in high school mm-hmm. at that time. Like that was, that was insane to me yeah. as a kid. Like <laughs> it was like, cause the Pistons had dominated for like most of my middle school. Cause Oh three, they win the final or Oh four. They beat the Lakers. Oh five. They lose to the Spurs in the finals and they just rule the East still after, or, I guess the Heat won the next year, but the Pistons made like five straight conference finals, mm-hmm. like at one point. Yeah, and the Pistons LeBron, were the beast of the East. Yeah, the Pistons were the beast of the East before the uh, Celtics, you know, came along. And the and Magic LeBron just And LeBron just, you know, he took it to them. It was, yeah. and, then that, and then I also remember that dunk he had over Rasheed Wallace in, a, in game five of that Eastern Conference Finals where um, LeBron drove... 
LeBron drove from the right baseline and just uh, or left base. He drove from the left corner and just yacked one all over Rasheed Wallace. It was like a tie game, and LeBron mm-hmm. just, <laughs> he he just yeeted all over uh, Rasheed Wallace <laughs> there. Um, so that's my yeah. That I I, I that that's one of the I uh, I'm gonna miss LeBron when he plays. Even though I wasn't like I'm not like a super super fan. Like I just greatness like that like kevin o'connor said you can't can't take lebron for granted at this point no not at all and it's just it's weird to think that like in my lifetime i've seen arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and arguably the greatest football player of all time in tom brady and i've seen arguably the greatest basketball player of my lifetime in lebron james and it's just like how lucky am i as a sports fan just to be able to well, I, I hated Tom Brady for the longest time for the to be frank, like absolutely ruined my life and just got sick of his shit real quick. And I think maybe it's um maybe it's like Stockholm syndrome where he's abused me so many times that I've come to admire my abuse, my captor. So um <laughs> No. I, I used to I used to hate Tom Brady in high school, but after his third ring I just gained respect for him. Or after his uh after yeah after his third ring I gained respect for him and then he beat the Seahawks for mm-hmm. his fourth ring and as a 49er fan I appreciate that a lot so um it's weird I my dad my dad uh he he loves me but my dad probably secretly hates me because I've told him on many occasions on many arguments that Brady's better than Montana and of course as a longtime Niner fan and Montana was his guy growing up he just (laughs) he's Mm. not he still won't have it to this day I'm just like dad nine Super Bowls six rings like I know our guy Joe went four and oh but like nine Super Bowls six rings (laughs) and six rings (laughs) love you dad yeah um so now we get to the part that I have been personally waiting for because if there is one big reason among many why me and Evan are good friends is because of our love for our um our how do we say our common love for things cartoons yeah animation animation anime, the art video the games, artistic medium of animation the artistic medium of nerd stuff there we go I like <laughs> and it so. You know, on his la- the last few times he's been a guest on my other podcast, we've talked about anime. I love cartoons and anime. Growing up, I loved cartoons in general, even though I can't draw. I just love, I always preferred cartoons and animation to comic books, even though I love those too, because I just like seeing drawings come to life. When I like seeing people's imagination on something just come to life on the screen. And that is old. Among besides sports, that is the other thing that's always been fascinating to me. I just love. I also love. I for me personally, I prefer cartoons and animation uh, to real live shows. Even though I love those too, because I just feel like with drawing, you can unlock, you can do more stuff, create mm-hmm. creativity wise. And so now we are going to be giving our five favorite, not best. Because we could surely we could surely debate that. We're going to give our five favorite animes. Our personal favorite. Personal okay. favorite five. Okay. Okay. And I have to say, before we start, uh before we start, I wrote down like I I took this seriously. I wanted to uh because I also have I also have some friends that I know I'm gonna be arguing with after they listen to this podcast too. Um so I wrote down 
roughly 20 off the top of my head that i i just i just know that i would that i would consider um so but we'll give you the floor first um we'll do it this way name me your five Mm -hmm. we'll uh name me your five give like a short reason on each one why and then i'll pick and then um i'll respond accordingly and then i'll do the same uh for me i'll i'll do the same and then you react and then we'll uh we'll uh, converse off of that sound good sounds good to me okay all right so you go first this evan's personal favorite anime personal five i'll go in reverse order at five i have pokemon um for those of you who do follow me on twitter and i'm sure jordan knows like i'm a big pokemon guy and i played a lot of pokemon sword when it came out and like shout out to my buddy ty windish and um he's a big pokemon guy too and like it's just that shout out him yeah big bucks guy big bucks guy but like the show was my entry point into the games and then i played the games after that but like i was just captivated by it i think that's also like my entry point besides dragon ball z which is also on this list um into anime as a whole so it holds a near and dear place to my heart and like it wasn't something i considered until i like really thought down i'm like wait a minute this show's like got a big part of reason why i am today like i still make references and homages to shows all the time or bits from that show was all the time but just to keep this train rolling here uh number five i have full metal alchemist brotherhood not the original full metal alchemist because i prefer brotherhood over the original series just because it's more closely based yeah. on the manga and it's just that's another just solid series overall that i adore and i recently rewatched it and i think that's why on a second view or not, not even my second this is like my third or fourth time watching through it but it's so damn good and it just holds up so well and like there's it's got the good mix it has a good mix of comedy and dark moments and just like everything else in between like i genuinely enjoy it but to keep going and something that's a little bit more lighthearted and a little bit more crazy and i think if you listen to jordan i talk about anime in the past like my hero academia like it's a recent entry in my terms of viewing but like i love it so much it's on my list it's so good and um it's one of the few times i picked um dubs over subs because I really enjoy Chris Sabat as um, All Might, which legend. legend. I love, I love Chris Sabat. So do I. Like such a good voice actor, so talented, and he like brings All Might to life. Like the Japanese voice actor for the show is great. The, like for the entire cast is great as well. But like endearing to me, and like one of my favorite shows ever. Um, Dragon Ball Z is obviously going to be, I think, on both of our lists at this point. Like DBZ is such a big show and a big part of my life. And like I said, like Pokemon, it was an entry point to me watching anime, and it's also like an entry point in a manga for me too because i was curious about dragon ball the original and i really as a kid couldn't regularly watch it um on tv or anything so i would check out the manga books from my local library and i would read those in the summer and like i was captivated by that and i learned about how the books are usually <laughs> um many 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 episodes ahead of the show so if you want to catch up on a story you should just read it before you watch it and then number one for me like i just finished rewatching this maybe a week or two before like we recorded this but both naruto and naruto ship it and if you cut out this if you cut out the filler it holds up so damn well and like there's so many scenes that still hit hard and like i was just watching like a lot of it's funny how it started so i was like watching old fights from the show and i'm like god this hits so hard like i love it and then i like started back and just started watching the show again like the entire arc where um like they go to the hidden mist village and they fight um haku and they fight zabuza and stuff and like 
absolutely just is so good and it's such a good series and boruto is such a disappointment compared to it and it just bums me the heck out but every naruto fan every friend that i have that's a naruto fan they say the same thing about boruto they hate it like it's become a lightning rod yeah well i don't even know if it's a lightning rod thing anymore because lightning rod would involve two sides of an argument like it seems pretty consensus that boruto is just it's it's trash <laughs> yeah no it absolutely is um it's just god it's so frustrating and i think i talked to a friend about this when we were just like because he says he still watches boruto i'm like lmfao why and he's like what do you mean why i'm like it's absolute garbage he's like give me your thoughts I'm like it could have been fine it's just like a spin-off movie and saying like oh this is where everyone's at like 10 15 years after the show ended and they all have kids and like you can see what they're doing and what they're up to now and that's what they did they released a movie and i'm like it was okay it's not exactly what i wanted but i think that's a satisfactory ending and then they released a series that just literally they animate episodes of the movie is like an arc of the show and i'm like all right well fuck you guys and then there's a bunch of filler and it's just it, it annoys me <laughs> i have a lot of heated feelings on borto i just don't enjoy it very much i haven't i haven't watched Nar like naruto didn't catch my eye when i was growing up when naruto was on toonami my dad watched it a bit which was funny enough but i didn't i just i didn't watch it but i do know that it's a problem where if your spinoff show it were if the peak episodes of your spinoff show involve characters from the previous show yeah you're like, in trouble <laughs> like you're in trouble <laughs> and that's kind of the consensus that i got when i naruto and sasuke came back <laughs> in that one episode mm -hmm. um and everybody's just like well this is the best episode ever it's like well what about the other 109 episodes <laughs> yeah it's just it's a uh, frustrating so what about your list? Yeah, I should. I don't want to be rude here. We'll go off. Well, so I'll read off my list, and then we could uh, we can just converse right off of that because uh, there will be some surprising omissions. I thought really long and hard about this. I tried to go because there's a lot of modern anime out now, and like with everything, as things evolve, like you could argue a lot of stuff's be better, technology's better, how they do stuff, how the process of doing stuff, whether it's making shows, sports, whatever, is better. And so I didn't want to include too many modern shows because they're still relatively new, but there are some that are just so damn good mm -hmm. that I can't exclude them from my list. And it sucks because I did grow up on Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and Roroni Kenshin and, you know, basically any toonami anime or anime that was playing on toonami or cartoon network what it, like i grew up on that mm -hmm. stuff and so it, that's why this list in particular was so hard well i had three locks and then i had two spots where i was agonizing over it and that for me this is in no particular order except for one one and two i have i have a clear one and i have a clear two but um, I'll just start off with this one. So first, uh, first name I'm reading off my list in no order is Mob Psycho 100. Mob Psycho okay. 100 is a newer anime. First season came out in 2016. It's about a kid who is about a middle school kid who has unbelievable psychic powers. He's is basically he's basically Saitama and One Punch Man, except it is from an emotional standpoint, from a character building standpoint, from multiple characters in the show, the world that the characters are in, I think this anime blends in everything 
well that I like in a in a TV show. And the second season this past year, 2019 was a great year for anime, by the way, which we'll also talk about. But season two was freaking awesome. Um, and I w- obviously I would recommend it to you because it is same studio that does My Hero Academia, does Bo- uh, Bone Studio. Mm. Uh, so the animation's great. The story's great. The characters are great. And that's all I really need to do to sell Mob Psycho 100. It's it's going to it's one of the best um next on my list is another anime from that came out this past year uh the promised neverland and it's only 12 episodes and mm. i'm cheating a little bit because i think if a show spur spurs you to continue on with the story by going to the source material and binging through that then i have to put this on my list um promise neverland I binged that in a day or two days, actually it's 12 episodes. It's I, when I recommend the show to people and I, when I've recommended the show to people, I told them to go into it blind and the synopsis of the story is in my blind summary of the show would basically be kids at an orphanage. And that's it. Mm. Hmm. It's interesting yeah. enough. Um, so I watched the first 12 episodes and I and like with my hero academia which will be next uh, which will be coming up on my list I immediately went to the manga after I binged this latest season after I binged the season and caught up on that because it was just so good mm-hmm. um hmm. next on my list Hunter X Hunter and somehow the only three people in the world that I know who hate Hunter x Hunter are listening to this podcast. So that's one anime. I'm going to be arguing about them with this show about this show for the 550 millionth time. Um, but Hunter x Hunter is great. Um, uh, my preference of shows, well, not preference, but one of the things I like in shows is a depth of characters and a good, mm-hmm. like a good world. Um, and Hunter x Hunter has both of these. I think the world and the concept of Hunters in this show is awesome. I think the characters and the character development through 148 episodes from start to finish is great. I think there, uh-huh. I think one of the reasons why I love this Hunter, the Hunter x Hunter world so much is because there are four arcs in this show and they are all completely and distinct different arcs of the show but they still tie together and that mm. i i love that when a show is able to have the depth of characters that it does the stories that it does in the world that it has and they're able to tie it all in together and also the main characters of the show sometimes aren't the main characters of the show which is also something i really appreciate about hunter x hunter and then number two on my list used to be my favorite anime um now it's number two my hero academia and used to be be. i will tell you i will tell you number one in a second um okay my hero academia is it's one of those it's right up my alley i love i grew up watching western american superhero cartoons whether it was spider-man batman the animated series uh the old incredible hulk that was on fox uh fox kids uh the fox kids channel for saturday morning cartoons 
I love West. I love mm-hmm. Western American superheroes and the creator of My Hero Academia, Koei Horikoshi. He's clearly influenced by the um, Western American influence of superheroes. Spider-Man is his favorite superhero. And just his take on the superhero genre and powers and the unique spin on, oh, a superhero powered society and the little inner workings and nuances and politics that go on within that. Like, it's still a battle shown in anime to its core, but it seems like they refined the formula to a point where it's unique and different. And out of all the shows I've experienced, like, when it comes to like the emotional tones of the show and stuff like that, I don't think a show does it any better than my hero academia. There's just, you can attest to this. There's just so many moments where it's, it's there's just so many moments. And then the music starts playing and then the characters start, the characters are like going through something or something like it's just, they hit you. It hits you on a relatable and emotional level that I don't think any, that few shows rarely do. And so mm-hmm. my hero acad and it's uh, again I mentioned earlier, but my hero academia made me read the manga after I finished the first two seasons. This was before season three came out. I finished the first two seasons, watched them both in sub and dubbed just because I loved it. And I read the manga and it was one of those things where I wish I didn't read the manga, <laughs> but now I'm kind of like I'm caught up, so there really is no turning back for me. But, like, I really wish I hadn't, but it was so good that I couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. Um, season four. Oh, are sorry, you, go for it. Are you all caught up on oh, the yeah, manga? Oh, yeah, I'm caught up on the manga. Yeah, I read okay. this pa- I read this okay. past chapter, uh, too. Yeah, it's going to get juicy. Yeah, um, we won't – I don't want to go into that because uh, I'm trying to get – I'm trying to get some friends to watch it. Although, eventually, I'm just yeah. going to start talking about it. But um, e- season four – as a manga reader season four was good it was slightly disappointing but i i, I still know, like man. that hideout arc was so good and my friend who doesn't read the manga and is reading it now said like he's like why is this one of your family like this is my favorite arc he's like why i'm like lamillion is the best character oh i love for like so i many love lamillion but i feel like there so that one episode where he fights overhaul without his quirk for five minutes yeah like, i really I that, was, that was badass it, it was badass but i felt like the episode did him a disservice because they didn't i it was it was the it was the only time i've been disappointed in bones because as a manga reader i was so looking forward to that episode right and yeah the fact that it turned I, into I it turned into a, a slideshow at the end instead of them actually animating it and i know in the manga they didn't animate it and i'm going really nitty-gritty here because i've thought about this for a while but i know that in the manga they did like they didn't actually show him fighting overhaul for five minutes but the point of an anime is to animate and go the distance like and go beyond which is what well not to no pun intended because that's one of the lines in the show but bones usually goes above and beyond to animate this stuff and that time i just when they gave mirio the slideshow after he after um when he was fighting overhaul i was just like man they i can't Mm -hmm. believe it and it was weird i thought it went by a little bit too weirdly enough i like the second half of the season (laughs) 
<laughs> better than yeah, the overhaul art, but like it felt rushed. a bit rushed to me. Like it was good, but it felt it ended like two episodes too early. Yeah, when Deku did annihilated overhaul it didn't really have the punch it had in the manga yeah like no pun intended but like that attack was awesome like the animation and the choreography the fight everything was great but like it didn't hit with me as hard as i'm like holy cow he did it like i'm just like oh yeah no i maybe it's because i read it like i knew he was because like because like before season three came out i knew united states of smash was coming right like i knew that was coming and that and season three to this day is still my favorite season easily like it was amazing and so going into this season i was like oh i overhaul was my favorite uh, arc in the manga to that point and like i was hyped for it and it just didn't hit like i expected it to like i did with season three i guess and then but the back the second half of season four i loved i loved the i loved the music festival um because i thought that was needed because that was when we were all like three weeks into our isolation here <laughs> during this pandemic so that was kind of a needed episode to kind of you know drag us out of the malaise and i guess depression of being cooped up in the house and then of course the season finale i mean <laughs> endeavor man like bones went mm-hmm. off on that last episode yeah like it was not it was my favorite episode of the whole show it's just that the season as a whole was disappointing still good but still yeah good. i'm not I, trying yeah, to say like I, it was I, bad I or anything like that but i i still like the other three the other three seasons better no i agree and i do before we go to your number one i do have like a fear in the back of my mind that apparently um the author of the series i butchered name so i don't want to like really drop it off without like, oh, not give him the proper justice he deserves I, yeah i think i know what you're talking about um so, he's really bad at world building <laughs> um like or not really world building he's really bad at character development um horikoshi you think so? um yeah like the characters are super cool but people are starting to get a little fed up with the fact that the show has been around for so long and they're still not through their first school year yeah so either they're gonna have to do a that time is, skip kind of situation I would, i'm surprised the time skip yeah yeah so either they're gonna have to have a time skip at some point but they're really like it's a slow burn and like i'm people like i just hope it doesn't end up like bleach where it just takes forever to get to the point that we need to get at and bleach still hasn't really figured that out from what i've gathered because bleach is my favorite show to dump on because i never watched it but um (laughs) i had friends who loved it i just couldn't get into it and i like said one day hey maybe i'll read the manga and i looked at the chapters i just like quietly x'd out of my browser and just went on with my (laughs) day so I just pictured in your head, you're just looking at it, you're flipping through pages, and you're just like, mm, you close the book quietly and put it down and walk away, or close your tablet, and put it down, walk away. <laughs> like, I'm good. Um, number one, my favorite show, and one I've been trying desperately to get you to watch Oh, again. I know what this is. <laughs> I know what this is. The answer's still no. <laughs> attack and it's i love yeah go ahead i know what it is attack on titan <laughs> is my favorite anime of all time and it supplanted my hero academia after this past year where part two of the third season came out i just it this is one of this is to me the most well wit yeah 
Let me repeat that again. This anime is, to me, the most well-written anime ever. I, The third season has really flipped the story on its head. And as it comes to its conclusion, the fourth and final season. And I think a good show knows when it's time to end a good story early. Sometimes shows can drag on forever, which is what we were just talking about with uh, My Hero Academia and how that they're facing, you know, trouble possibly with that. Um, it starts off as a show where you, th- you think you're fighting a bunch of giant titans and it's cool and all that stuff. And then it just turns into this geopolitical battle. Um, hmm. And it's going, and it's all going to come into a head next season and how the story, the moments, the battles uh, in this show. And now that we now know, well, this third season, you watched the first 10 episodes or something like that, but I'm, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure as you were watching it, you were wondering, okay, where did these Titans come from? Blah, 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 and all that stuff. They explain mm-hmm. everything in season three, and it just makes uh. the story so much more infinite. It went from a story of fantasy and battling Titans and the mystery of where are these people, where are these Titans coming from? And we get that in season three and it just changes the entire trajectory of the show. It comes, becomes a, it jumps from becoming a really cool, interesting anime to just becoming an all timer for me. So attack on Titans, number one for me. Okay. Well, I know you don't have a lot to add to it. I know. Yeah. It's just like cool, but maybe I'll give it another shot with this quarantine shutdown situation. I am looking for new content. Um, to consume because Westworld is almost over and Little Dicky Show and FX is almost over, which I really like. So maybe I'll give Attack on Titan another series. I really, crack and I'll I really sit down do. I and, really do think this show would be up your alley. I really, I really do. <laughs> I know I've recommended okay. it to you before, and I know you. It's been years, and I know you. Years, I know, and I know you've stopped <laughs> on multiple occasions. It seems like you've stopped around episode ten or it's just around like, that i feel like i'm dis- i'm disappointing you every time it's like every time i come on and talk to you like so man what do you think of attack on site and i'm like um well now you have time so <laughs> yeah i guess so watch it and just let me know how it is um will do i've read i feel i feel bad because i have recommended you stuff before that you've liked and vice versa to me because you've recommended my love story and gurren logan and shows like that and I've watched it. I've recommended shows to you that you've liked, and I just feel bad that this is the one that I'm just like. Uh. <laughs> but um, you're probably wondering. Uh, there is an omission from this list. If we want to get to honorable mentions, oh, I have one. Dragon Ball Z, or Dragon Ball, <sighs> got left off my list. And if it was a top ten favorite animes, it would be in my top ten for sure, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to include Dragon Ball in my top five, but it, I wanted to cheat and include and just say the whole Dragon Ball series. And, mm. but <clears throat> that would also include Super. And as much as I love the fan service of Super and the fact that we got Dragon Ball in 20, in the 2010 decade and all that yeah. stuff, it really is just a mid show if you just take off the fan goggles and, you know just yeah. look at it critic like 
I obviously don't have a problem with Dragon I love Dragon Ball Super. Uh, whenever, like, people complain about fan service, I'm the one that's like, serve me the F up. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I love fan service. But if I'm going to include Dragon Ball Super, which is objectively a lesser show and has a lot of uh, low valleys compared to high peaks, and they have some very high peaks, I have to include that into the calculus. I will say, though, if we're talking about greatest anime of all time, and I know people want to be all hipster and be like, I'm not with the mainstream and all that stuff, Dragon Ball is mm. absolutely 100% in the conversation. It's yeah. one of the it's one of the pillars of anime. It's one of the reasons anime is popular in America. It's it's what it was one of those anime was so looked down upon if you watched it as a kid in like the early 2000s. The only one any kid would ever talk about and acknowledge was Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. That was the one show everybody universally loved, even though it was like, oh, you're watching, even though you might get made fun of at school if if people knew that you like watching cartoons and stuff. It's like, oh, you're watching cartoons? You're watching, what's anime? Oh, you're watching Pokemon? But Dragon Ball was the one show everybody was like, this is cool. And that's why... Even though, like, there's better storytelling now and better animation now, Dragon Ball is still holds up. And also, when it comes to fighting genres at its peak, no, even to this day, no, no show does fighting better than Dragon Ball. No, it, it really doesn't. It's like really hype. And like you said, um, Super is a lot of a uh, fan service, which kind of definitely hurts it like you can serve me up as much as you want but after a while like i do get sick of it like i do want something new and like fresh and unique and i think uh, because it it does become the goku and vegeta show at that point you know yeah which is just basically what the fans want and like i don't know i think i i've come to appreciate the movies a lot more like um battle the gods is such a solid flick like Mm -hmm. it has just enough for me for me to be engaged in it after not watching dragon ball for a while and like I was just like, yeah, no, this is great, and I had a good time. And like, my friend who was a casual Dragon Ball fan watched it. And he like went back and actually watched the series. Like, oh no, this was awesome. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, this is a good, good, good launching point to kind of get people reinvested in the entire series. But um, yeah, no, it's just kind of a. It has some of the most, some of the best fight scenes ever. Like, but I mean, like, there's always that go go to joke where it takes five episodes for them to power up and then they actually fight. Like that's that's definitely is a <laughs> yeah. problem where they they, they the build up is the a planets bit much will blow times. up in five minutes. Twenty yeah, episodes minutes. later. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh ten hours of footage if you want to do like including commercials, which is just acid nine and acid ten and acid eleven. But um <laughs> Okay, Stephen A. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was hoping you'd get that. Um <laughs> yeah no it has really good fight scenes and i don't know i I just i think it's because when i looked when you asked me to do this list to break it down i was thinking about shows like were just a big part of my childhood too i think that's what i did it but like i think your list is perfectly valid too like i think that's a solid i mean minus attack on titan it's a solid list overall and like you can really say like these are all modern shows that you can enjoy and watch and like those are good entry points for people that are our anime fans that can say like what's some good new stuff to check out yeah yeah check out what my dude jc has to say about it so there you go yeah um you could do the favorite li- favorites list in any way like i really want i did want to go with uh the, infl- the i did want to be made 
I originally I wanted to go with the what influenced me the most route, but then like I thought about it and I was like, there's also especially in 2019. I don't know um how much how many of the shows from 20 the 2019 anime season that you watched, but there were a lot of good shows and a good amount of them made this list. Like I have mm -hmm. like Vinland Saga with the Amazon Prime anime uh that uh, that's uh, that's on uh, Amazon Prime right now. That one is one season in, and it's incredible. Um, same studio that does Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, uh, Kimetsu no Yaba was uh, another great one, and another one manga readers really love apparently. But one season in, it's already one of the more beautifully animated shows ever. That um, what was another 2019 Promise Neverland. Uh, mobs mm -hmm. season two of mob psych 2019 was just freaking stacked i don't know how much of it you watched i'll be honest not a lot a lot it was mostly me like revisiting shows that i like I yeah didn't really and like my hero academia but like you have recommended a lot of these shows to me and like maybe it's just me putting things off and like just other things that are consuming my time but like i'm running out of content to watch maybe it's time for me to become a weeaboo again and just re-up my subscriptions and start deep diving into funimation and Crunchyroll and everything else and just shout out to verb coming out <laughs> shout out to verb and coming out as a much more cultured individual on the other side based on your recommendation list so like yeah no i trying to think i watched it doesn't really count but like digimon adventure 2020 is actually kind of fun too like i was checking that out like yeah it's a fun re soft reboot of the series and then like the movies and stuff they're doing for that are pretty neat but no i'm i'm definitely down to check out what you have to offer in terms of recommendations because clearly you're a lot more on the game than i am when it comes to watching this stuff and it's just mostly me like revisiting things i like and maybe that's just the thing oh yeah nostalgia yeah. is potent right i now, love so the nostalgia the nostalgia has been a, uh, it's been very needed in uh <laughs> in this time like i've been revisiting stuff it's just that 29 it was just one of those years where you know like nba seasons have stacked drafts and stuff like that like this was mm -hmm. just this was just ridiculously stacked with good shows so all uh I'll uh, send you a 2019 because 2019 was just so good. I'll just send you uh, oh, the master list. I'll just send you a master list of what I've watched from 2019. But um, dope. But uh, yeah. So those were our five. Uh, those were our five uh, favorite animes um, or current animes, whatever. Uh, not yeah. not a best not a best of list because there's like there's quite frankly there's like thousands of anime out there that i'm just never mm -hmm. gonna watch like in my discord um in my discord somebody sent me a list of their rankings and this list had like 500 shows and i am not that deep into it um mm -hmm. like not that deep into watching that many shows although i'm not opposed to watching it if there was any recommendations but he had like a yeah. whole master list and i was just like my my I need to step my game up. <laughs> like he, I do too. He, but um, one more, one more, um, one more thing before we go. Um, okay. Since we have a little bit of time, the MJ doc. So the Last Dance. Uh, one, it's great that we finally, I guess, have something to look forward to yeah. every week. Um, I wanted it all at once after the first two episodes, but you know, 
I think Zach Lowe tweeted it. Like, it's kind of good that we get these weekly, like something to look forward to. Um, what have you thought about it so far? And as a Cavs fan who is obviously tied to LeBron mm -hmm. and, you know, we were kind of jokingly going back and forth about uh, who's the greatest player ever as a LeBron fan, how are you consuming? How have you consumed this uh, doc so far? And um, just what, I guess, anything new that you learned about Jordan or something you're as a LeBron fan, you're, you were like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it to Jordan. I'll give it to Jordan fans on this one. Anything of that sort. Yeah. Um, I mean, people will be quick to point to the fact that LeBron's three and six of the finals and Jordan's six and oh, and like I do, like I've talked with Chris about this on my show. Um, I am curious. Like it does feel like a very LeBron thing to have cameras rolling and like, to drop a documentary like this someday i know they're trying to do something with kobe bryant in the future as well in a, excuse me in a similar vein to this but um no it's just been like super interesting to see like just all the different characters and all the different people that were involved in these six title runs and especially the last one where it kind of felt like it was insurmountable for the bulls and actually drew a lot of parallels to the last lebron year in cleveland for uh just a bit because it just felt like lebron was dragging this team he played all 82 games he dragged them to the nba finals and then jr blundered in game one he punched a dry erase board and that was the straw that broke the camels back and ended the Cavs season like i think about that and i do like i'm just trolling most of the time when i say lebron's the greatest player ever i think i don't know many people know my firm stance on this ever since kobe bryant died i don't really think you can it's fair you can say like best player of his era sure whatever like if you really want to get into that rabbit hole in that debate like that's fine but i'm just i don't really care like who's the greatest and who isn't the greatest i'm just going to appreciate the fact that i can watch great players and the fact that they were able to document this entire last season for the bulls and just arguably one of the most iconic and greatest players of the 90s and just like one of the upper echelon players like i remember when watching the episodes last night like one of his biggest obsessions was being held in the same regard as larry bird and magic johnson and he finally made it when he beat magic and the lakers in the finals like i get that like and that's just the thing like he was truly driven to win and i never really knew that and i think i was just too young to like really remember and appreciate like how good michael jordan was because i was born in 1993 so this is when the bulls are in their heyday yeah. at that point so i mean like you're the cool kid if you said yeah i liked michael jordan the bulls i think that was like the easy answer but um going back and like watching this like it's just kind of surreal to see like you know the nba it, the the way the game is played has changed but the fact that there's a lot of drama both on and off the floor <laughs> that hasn't changed like I think it's wild Dennis Rodman was given the okay to take a 48-hour <laughs> sabbatical, which went way longer in Vegas. Like He's like, I, I need a multi-day vacation to Vegas right now. And Phil gave it to him. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, exactly. Like, I think of how one, like, I could never do that in my job. I can say, like, listen, I need – two days off to just let go let go let just let my demons just come out and play and like just do whatever i wanted like that's why it makes me think of like again drawing parallels to like lebron and the Cavs and mj and the bulls like jr smith obviously wasn't as big of a problem as dennis and maybe problem isn't the right word but you know what i mean but um yeah like jr smith was kind of viewed in the same regard as dennis rodman like ah, i don't know if you can bring this one in but like 
they said like Michael figured it out. Michael made it work. And I've heard from the team and I've heard from people that are more plugged in with the team that when the Cavs were trading for Amon Shumpert, which is who they wanted when they got J.R. Smith, LeBron said, bring him here. I'll take care of him. And yeah, LeBron said, yeah, bring yeah, him on. Yeah. Right? He wanted yeah. him here and he made it work. And then LeBron and J.R. became thicker than thieves. And I think that's like a lot of it is just one J.R. Always wanted to play with LeBron. And I think he just looked up to LeBron a lot too, because they were both high school players and LeBron was like one of the first high school players other than Kevin Garnett to really like make it. So it's just a big deal to him, obviously. And like they were thicker than thieves in Cleveland. And then it's just a weird time. Like there's a lot of parallels you can draw. Maybe time really is a flat circle, but it's just kind of interesting to see that like maybe the drama and that's just kind of the BS that comes with the day to day of being a celebrity. Like it was different, but also the same. Um, it, yeah. in the 90s as it is compared to like the 2020s i guess we're in now which is weird to think so seeing all the uh you know given that this was my first year like being in lock nba locker rooms and media day and all that stuff and seeing how everything operates and what questions are asked seeing the media sessions back then mm-hmm. and the type of questions that were asked i'm just like oh my god like nobody at- would ask this type of question like i haven't heard this type of question asked in usually in a media br- in a those scrums or those pre-game pressers or whatever unless someone really wants to ask that question you know they usually uh, the questions, the questions that I heard in this documentary, like I hardly hear it. Like just the line of questioning, how the media, the reporter-player interaction back then was interesting. My favorite thing in this doc is just looking into uh, the first four episodes so far is just looking into the philosophy and the mind of Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. and just how understanding he was of humans. Yeah. And how different one how each one ticked like when scotty was obviously pro when scotty pippen was obviously protesting the fact that he was the 122nd highest paid player in the league that's crazy that's so crazy and they wouldn't renegotiate his contract scotty was like all right well i'll just get a I'll just get surgery when the season starts. I'm not going to fuck my summer mm-hmm. up, which is a iconic memeable line. Now um, he was basically rehabbing for two, three months of the season. And Phil was like, look, um, I did not hold, I did not hold Scotty's protest against him. I think sometimes people need to take a stand for themselves. And I'm just like, Phil Jackson, just, he got it. Like, and I think his previous stint with the Knicks, we kind of, that, kind of erased those those initial memories and thoughts that we had of phil jackson Mm -hmm. the person and the coach because now we think about him as the failed knicks president that publicly threw their best player into trade rumors and all that stuff and kind of forget what what made him tick as a coach and also the fact that he you know would give rodman a lot of rope but he knowing he would come to the court or come to the game and play his ass off and get his usual rebounds, his defense and all that. And Phil was like, yeah, man, like if you need, look, if you need to get let off some steam, you can go to Vegas. And Phil probably knew that 
Dennis was going to stay in Vegas for more than 48 yeah. hours. Let's be honest. Um, I mean, Mike certainly knew that too. He was like, are you kidding me? We're not, we can't let this guy go to Vegas. We'll never see him again. Um, but just the fact that Phil was that understanding, I just th- thought was, that was a really cool side of him that we rarely, not rarely got to see, but it was more apparent in this doc. Mm-hmm. Um, and just also how much Michael and Scotty, even with Dennis's antics, they respected him as a teammate. Like the story of how Dennis or when Scotty was out and the Bulls were like eight and seven to start the year and Dennis was having a bad game and Michael was pissed at Dennis, but they didn't say anything to each other. Dennis came to his room, his hotel room later that night and he just asked for a cigar and they were just smoking yeah, cigars. Cool. Den- Dennis didn't, didn't apologize or anything like that. They were just sitting there talking because Dennis knew he effed up. And from that point on, Dennis started playing better and the Bulls started turning their turning their season around as Scotty was coming back from injury. Just stories like that. And just the the behind the scenes stuff. Like we for even at even you're 25, 26, I'm 28, and we've heard all we've probably seen all the Jordan media pieces, the documentaries, the articles, many like 12 minute segments on NBA TV about the legacy of Jordan, whatever we knew everything about Michael Jordan. But the cool thing about this documentary is that it's not just about Michael Jordan mm-hmm. it's about the fall of a dynasty. And we're seeing all the behind scenes of the secret tapes that everybody was wondering about finally, which is really yeah. cool to me. No, it's super cool. And it's just, like you said, it's the end of a dynasty and just kind of at the end of a chapter in the NBA, because I feel like the NBA was scrambling for a little bit. Um, I mean, San Antonio really filled the void in that regard, for sure, and the Lakers did as well as Shaq and Kobe. So I guess maybe I'm just an idiot for saying this, but, like, for a while, like, I, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around, like, how big Michael Jordan and these Bulls were, like, what was life after that, and clearly the NBA did just fine. But, like, there is a sense of finality to all this, especially when they showed the segment where, like, they were drilling everybody about, like, what Michael's going to do following yeah. the season. Is he going to retire? Is he not going to retire? And, like... It's absolutely crazy to me to think that a team was able to somehow properly function and win a championship when the general manager has been on record saying that this is the coach's last year and, like, Phil Jackson just didn't say fuck it and phoned it in. Like, that's Mm. crazy to me. And meanwhile, like, this is the last year where Dennis is kind of distancing himself from this team. Scotty is going through his situation like it was if you think of like imagine that season being covered in the social media era right now considering like insane considering how the durant situation was covered last year and all that like this would be this would be like 10 times worse i feel because you got obviously you got michael jordan and you got scotty pippen and dennis rodman like that alone in the social media era like yeah imagine this season being covered during that time it's it's really cool to just get a look back at that stuff but um yeah no it really is all right so we've gone about an hour 45 into this so i think this is a good place to leave it off uh we'll definitely gonna have you back on for sure of course so happy to be here we definitely leave some meat on the bone for the next pod but uh there we go but uh, Evan, thanks again for uh, yeah. coming on and taking time to talk and catch up and uh, hope you and your family stay safe uh, during this pandemic. Whenever this pandemic ends, hopefully we can all 
gradually return to normal as soon as possible but for yeah but hopefully you and your family are good and you're staying yeah. safe and everything's thank everything's you. all good yeah no thank you same to you and your family um i know we were talking about it earlier on and just however like how you guys are doing like just stay safe everyone else listening stay safe take care of yourselves take care of those who matter most to you um I don't really think there's going to be much of an end in sight, despite what people are hoping for. Um, I think it's, in my personal opinion, I think it's irresponsible if people are going to be opening up full access to early. Like you need to really walk before you run here. So, yeah, yeah, no, I uh, just I appreciate you coming on. It's nice just to have two friends shooting the shit and just talking about what we like to talk about and being the centralized yep. thing of anime and basketball. And it's always fun. And I'm looking forward to being back here again likewise thank you listen to the medical experts and i can't believe i am saying this in 2020 but don't drink disinfectant you really shouldn't that was sick thanks to evan for coming on to the show thank you for listening to an hour and 45 minutes of us just talking about life interest hobbies and a little bit of basketball mixed in there because it is a basketball podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next video coming out this week. Like, subscribe, follow all my socials. Well, just Twitter and Instagram, really. At SlyHooperX. Check out Evan Damarell's work at Forbes Sports. You can follow him at AmNotEvan on Twitter. You can also follow him on Instagram with that same handle earlier today or Monday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, he released his conversation with Cavaliers power forward Kevin Love about a new company he has become an investor in. That was his latest article to Forbes Sports, so check that out. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay tuned for the latest video, and we'll see you next time.